Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We're going to look at the enemy approach in a very different way. The enemy is going to try to approach them using someone that belongs to the Lord, someone with the gift of God upon their life, the gift of prophecy. And much like I read this, I think of the church today and I think, man, who does more damage to the church today? I mean, sometimes the battle is coming from outside, but how many of you guys recognize that there's a lot of damage done to the name of Christ in the church of God by people that name his name, by people that hold positions and titles within the church? The church is made up of people. We're redeemed through Christ, but as long as we live in the flesh, we're going to suffer the weakness of it. How often have you heard someone say they like Jesus, but have been hurt by the church in some way? It's a sad reality. Even well-meaning Christians are guilty of misrepresenting Christ at times. As Pastor Bill will challenge us in today's message, we can do better. Perfection isn't a realistic expectation, but humility and compassion can go a long way. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 22 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Look at Numbers 22, we're gonna jump right in. Numbers chapter 22, starting at verse one. It says, then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were, because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. If you guys remember in the last two chapters, as Israel was making their way through the lands, um, people picked fights with them. They weren't even, they weren't even, you know, they weren't even really ready for a fight. They were just kind of cruising through and these groups picked fights with them. God gave them their first couple of victories as far as battle goes. Now the, the Moabites or this, this king in, this king in, in Moab hears about it and it says that he's exceedingly afraid. Now he's looking at the, the group, the Israelites, and they're a very large group. This is a, uh, if you saw this group coming and, and, and kind of getting next to your, on, on your doorstep or, or right next to your city, it would be cause for concern knowing that you're not friendly towards them. And so he was afraid. It said that he was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. Interesting because Israel wasn't aggressive towards him. They weren't, they weren't even really looking for a battle. And I would just point this out to you guys. Even if you don't pick a fight with the enemy, right? Even if you don't view you know, maybe, you know, some Christians kind of take this real laxed posture concerning spiritual things. Like, I'm just kind of, I'm going to keep to myself. Even if you try to do that, the enemy is still coming against you. If you belong to the Lord, if you bear his name, if you are his kid, the war is on. The enemy's coming in. Even if you try to take the, the kind route or the, the route of less, you know, less conflict, it's still going to be there as it was for them. So, once again, they weren't really looking for a fight or looking for a battle, but it was getting brought to them. And so um, the, the, this king of the Moabites was, it says, sick with dread because of the children of Israel. Verse four. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us. And as an ox licks up the grass of the field and Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at this time. So what they felt like as they looked at Israel, they said, you know what? They're going to lick up the ground like an ox. And ox are very big. They're huge. And as the animal kingdom goes, if an ox is out grazing, 
um, there's not a lot of animals that are going to get right next to it and graze. They're, they're going to keep their distance um, because they're aggressive, um, because they will, if, if they feel like you're in, intruding on their territory, especially the, the males, um, they're going to come at you. He said they're, they're going to lick up the ground. They're going to just, they're going to take over everything. That's what they're looking at. And I want you to just catch this. This is what I was meditating on. Remember I told you guys last week, that as we look at the wars in the Old Testament, we're learning principles for the spiritual battle that we fight as New Testament saints. So as we look at this here, um, the enemy is looking at Israel begin to take ground and saying, we got us. I don't want them to take my ground. And understand that as believers, as you begin to take ground for the Lord, maybe you've led someone to Christ. Maybe you're trying to lead someone to the Lord. You're taking ground. You're taking from the enemy. Expect and be, be aware that he's going to come against you. There's going to be warfare in that. Jesus in the New Testament said, you can't go into the strong man's house and take his things until you do what? You first bind up the strong man. Then you can go in and take the spoils. But you can't just go in and start taking stuff. He's got to be bound up first. Um, and so here, Israel, again, their, their first few steps in, into victory, God is going before them. God has given them victory over their enemies. Now people are kind of looking at them and saying, wait, they're, they're kind of they're, they're, they're getting big here and we need to try to stop them. So there's going to be an interesting approach that Balak takes. Um, and I want you to catch this as well, that the enemy has come against Israel in many different ways. He's come overtly. We're just going to start a fight with him. Um, he's come through other kind of ways. Trickery today, we're going to look at the enemy approach in a very different way. The enemy is going to try to approach them using someone that belongs to the Lord, someone with the gift of God upon their life, the gift of prophecy. And much like I read this, I think of the church today and I think, man, who does more damage to the church today? I mean, sometimes the battle is coming from outside. But how many of you guys recognize that there's a lot of damage done to the name of Christ in the church of God by people that name his name, by people that hold positions and titles within the church? They do the damage. And so that's what we're going to see happen here as well. And we want to all be aware of that and cautious that that's not us. So look at verse five. Balak is afraid. He's the, he's the king of Moab at this time. Verse five. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river, in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are setting, settling next to me. So a couple things just to note here. Um, we get introduced to Balaam. Balaam's going to be a, he's a prophet of God. Um, Balak seeks him out. Um, Balak is sending messengers to Balaam, and we're going to see why. And I have, one of the books I read, just as I was preparing for this, noted how that God would, when he would name a person, he would name their parents. It's Balaam who is going to be the person of, of, you know, focus here. But it says the Balaam, the son of Beor, Beor, just names his parents, puts his parents out there. And one of the things that was suggested is the way that we live as believers, uh, we either honor our parents' name because we bear their name. All of us bear um, before you get married, you bear your parents' name, you honor it or you don't with how you live. But Balaam is, is going to be sought out by them um, because he's a prophet. And he begins, he begins to complain. He says, Balaam, look at this group of people. They, they're covering the face of the earth and they're settling right next to me. Verse six, he said, therefore, please come at once. Curse this people uh, for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. 
This pagan king, Moabite king, calls the prophet of God and says, hey, I'm aware of something. I know that who you bless is blessed. And I know that who you curse is cursed. He wants Balaam to curse the people of God. Now, a couple things are wrong already. Why is Balaam even in a relationship with this guy? Um, why, why is it, we're going to find out that he's, he's, a, um, he's not a good guy. Uh, even a couple of pastors that I, I, I listened to on this, they believe that Balaam was not even a prophet of God. I disagree. I believe that he is a prophet of God. As you study the, 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 the totality of scripture, you find that there are men that were prophets of God that were very disobedient, i.e. Jonah. Um, I don't know. I, I look, I read the book of Jonah and I'm like, it doesn't look like he ever got it. He had one moment of repentance and then he went right back to the same mindset, but he was a prophet of God. God spoke to him and through him supernaturally. I don't understand how that works, but it, 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 it does, you know? So he's in relationship with this guy. He calls him out and says, Hey, come over. I understand that whoever you bless is blessed. And we're going to see that when they come to Balaam, they're going to bring something called a diviner's fee. Um, that they're treating him, his gift of prophecy, like it's witchcraft. And they, you know, we'll pay you for it. Hey, we'll pay you a certain amount to come and say what we want. We want you to, want you to pronounce blessing here and curses here. So listen to what it says in verse um, 7. It says, so the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand. Uh, you might note that that's the money that they give to someone to get them to say what they want them to say, um, to curse or to bless and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, lodge here tonight and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Uh, they stayed there overnight with them. So I want you to just think about this. If you're a man of God and God's blessed you with the gift of uh, prophetic utterances, you, you, God gives you a word and you speak a prophetic word. Um, I think most of us, you know, someone came and said, hey, I want you to use that gift to curse these believers over here. I think we would be, I mean, get out of here. We would just, we wouldn't even hear of that. Um, we're going to see that Balaam is, is very enticed by the opportunity to, to make money. And I bring that up and I point it out because we live in a time today where there are churches today where people for a fee will come out and prophesy to your people. They won't just come out and prophesy to your people uh, because God gave them a word. Um, they have a retainer. Um, this, is a, this is a fact that within the church today, there are men and women uh, who, who hold or claim the title prophet or prophetess. And for a certain retainer, pay me this amount, I will come and I will speak prophetic words to your people. And there are churches that look forward to this. They have these people come in, they pay them well, and they come in and they speak. And it's interesting to me, they only speak positive things, what people want to hear. I think of a real prophet where to show up in a church full of people. I mean, when I look at the prophets of God, they're pointing out sin. They see everything. They see the good and the bad. The, the same prophet that, you know, tells you that God's going to bless you and, you know, give you a kid, tell you over here, David, you're the man. You know, you, you didn't sin and took that man's wife um, if it's a real prophetic word. So Balaam here is, is going to be enticed by the money that they're offering him. We want to look at this. And the Bible says in the New Testament that we're, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Like they're not new. And so as I read this here and I see the things that happen in the New Testament church today, I realize that, wow, this isn't even new, that Satan would, would seek to use people that are in position, um, that, you know, I can't beat them, but I'll join them. I'll come from the inside. And again, we want to be aware of, of that. That's one of his devices. It's one of the ways that he, he seeks to work. And so he, he tells the people that, you know, you guys stay here for the night. I'm going to go seek the Lord 
and see what he says. So he actually is going to go seek the Lord. I wouldn't even know how to go pray to God and ask him this. I mean, that first of all, you're with non-believers. They want to curse the people of God. I wouldn't even know how to show up before the Lord and, and ask him. But, but he figures out how to do it. So look at verse 9. Then God came to Balaam and said, who are these men with you? It's a great question. God opens up and says, man, who, who are these people with you? You know, who are, I mean, it, it, it's as though God is, God is just disgusted. It's, man, who, who are you with? Who, who are these people that you're with? What is that? Who are these people that you're with? God says to him. So Balaam answered God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent to me saying, look, a people has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I, I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. Verse 12, and God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people. Look at what he says, for they are blessed. They're blessed. Why are they blessed? Because they belong to him. This is a naughty group of people. You guys, we, 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 this is a new, we've been, we've been studying these people, right? This isn't a good group of people. They're not an obedient group of people, but you know what God says? They're my people and they're blessed. That should bring a sense of comfort to everyone here. Because you, like them, not perfect people, don't, don't get it right every day. We don't always do the right thing every time, every single day. But guess what God says? Because you're his people. You're blessed. You're still his people. He still claims them. Even though they deny him, complain against him, and say they should have stayed in Egypt, so forth and so on, God still claims them. And God says, no, you're not going to curse them because they are blessed. They are my people. They are blessed. That, that encourages me as I, as I look at who they are and how faithful God is to keep his word. Keep his word to them. So he tells them, no. Now, that should be it, right? He brought it up to the Lord. God said, no, no, you can't do it. You won't, you know, you won't curse them because they're blessed. It should be over right there. But look at verse 13. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, go back to your land. For the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. So they went back to the king of Moab and say, he, he won't come. He refuses to come. And I want you to note that, I mean, right now, Balaam doesn't look like a bad guy. You know, I mean, he, he obeyed God. He went before the Lord. It was a dumb thing. He asked him. But what God told him to do, he took it. And he said, you know what? Can't go. God said, don't do it. I won't do it. Um, and so I, I read this and it's confusing. It's like, how come he's so obedient right here, but he's being so compromise in this other area what's the draw what's making him compromise right here and I want you to catch this because you can have a believer that over here they love the Lord they want to obey God they actually seek God but over here they got compromise they got some area of their life some area of their heart where God doesn't have full dominion and over here there's what, it, what we're going to find in Balaam's life is his greed for money and prestige it, it, it's, it's going to keep drawing him out over here um, he is over here seeking God and looking like he's obeying, but, but, but it's so enticing to him that they're going to offer him prestige and honor and, and riches and money. And, and the, the, the draw for those things is going to keep kind of drawing him over here, even though God had a better purpose and plan for his life. We want to be careful about the same thing in our lives, that God has a purpose and a plan for us. And the Bible teaches that, you know, there could be the cares of this world, the desire for riches. You know, the Bible says that the, the, the desire to be rich in Timothy he says pierces people through with many sorrows. It's not bad to be rich, but it's bad to desire to be rich. If it's a, if it's your life's goal to be rich, the Bible says that's a bad, a bad plan. Be, be rich in God. 
It, you know, the Bible says I mean, there, there are things that you could pursue that would be good. You know, those who seek, if you're seeking him, you want to be filled by him. You want righteousness. You want, you want, you want God to fill your cup. Those things that you can seek God for. But God said, if, you're, if your goal in life is surrounding stuff and money and riches, pierce you through. Think of all the dumb things people do in hopes to get more money. Um, they gamble. They go in debt. They make bad financial decisions. They're greedy. Um, it, it affects us. God says, that's, that's, not, that's, that's not what I want for you. That's what is stumbling Balaam up here. So maybe you're here. Maybe, maybe somewhere deep in your heart, there's just this, the dream to, to hit it rich, to be rich. I've watched television shows where it, it talks about people that have become rich, you know, and there was one show where it was showing people that kind of became rich on accident. You know, they just stumbled upon something one day and they kept doing it. One of them was a, there was a family and where they lived, they, um, they figured out how to harvest uh, worms. And they had done it because they were fishing all the time, so forth and so on. But then they, they figured out how to do a lot of it. And they had tons of it. And one time they accidentally had a big, just a whole bunch of worms. And they said, what can, we, what can we do? And they found that someone would buy it from them. And when they saw the rate at which they bought them for, they were like, well, shoot. We're going into the worm. And they became millionaires off of worms. Dirt and worms. I mean, you watched it and it was like, wow. And you can watch a show like that and just go in your, I'm going to go in my backyard. I'm going to see, I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to dig under the apple tree, you know, but it just kind of happened for them. And there are people that God ordains and calls to, to be wealthy and be rich. That's praise the Lord, but don't pursue it. Particularly don't, don't pursue it as a, a life goal. Pursue God. Seek first his kingdom and all his righteousness and everything he has for you will be added. If you're supposed to be rich, you'll seek God and follow him and you'll end up rich. If you're not, you won't. It's okay. You know, so, um, but that's the issue. That's the challenge. That's the problem in Balaam's heart is the enticement for the stuff is going to continue to call him. And so God had been very clear. God told him he couldn't go. He didn't go. He was obedient initially and told him God didn't give me permission to go with you. And so in the princes went back and they told Balak, hey, he, he won't come. God, he, he's not able to come with us. Verse 15. Then Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable. So the first time he sent princes, and they were pretty honorable guys, but the second time he sent many more and more honorable, um, he's sending people that are wealthy and rich and prestigious, that that would be the draw. And so they go to him in verse uh, 16, and they came to Balaam and said to him, thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, please let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come curse this people for me. Now, God told him he may not go. The enemy is coming and saying, you need to come up at once. Please come up at once. And verse 18, then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now, therefore, please, now, therefore, please, you also stay here tonight that I may know what the, what more the Lord may say to me. Now, does he need to pray again? Has God already been very clear? God's been very clear. There's the perfect will of God. And then there's something called the permissive will of God, right? The perfect will of God, this is what he wants for you. This is his A plan for you. This is when you say, God, what do you want for me? And God says, I want that for you. Boom. That the, the perfect will of God makes it clear to us. Then there's the permissive will of God. You pressed in. You kept nagging. You wouldn't stop. And God said, you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Fine. You want to go? Go ahead and go. Any parent here, um, 
understands. I mean, your kid may want something. I know I was a master at this with my mother. I could ask my mom something and she's like, no. And I was masterful at, I just had to, you know, I knew how to pick the timing right. Catch her when she's in the middle of a phone call, stand in the doorway, real annoyingly, just waiting for her to acknowledge me. And then once she finally put the phone down real quick, ask her again one time. And sometimes just to get rid of me, she, okay, fine, just go. Got it. (laughs) That wasn't what she really wanted. She had already told me no, but I got it. Other times, um, you know, you mope around, just kind of look pitiful, just, you know, okay, mom, you know, and just, just kind of weigh on her emotions and everything else, and I, I, I crack her, and I get to go, get to go do whatever it was I wanted to do. I used to do that to my mom. Couldn't do it to my dad, but I, I used to do it to my mom. Now, once someone stated what they want, right, it's already, now, that's what their will is. If you, if you get them the, fine, go ahead, you know, it's, it's still not what they initially wanted, now, that might be okay with it's a parent. You might, it might, no, might, might, not be, might not be life or death stuff. But it's a big deal when it's the Lord, when God has said, look, I don't want you. What are you doing with them anyway? And no, you can't go. Absolutely not. Now he's going to come back. He says, you got to stay tonight. Why does he want to ask God? Why doesn't why does he just say, guys, get out of here. I'm not going to curse the people of God. I won't do it. Why doesn't he just send them on their way? Because look at all these prestigious people. These are important people. They come from the king. He's he's promising to give me, you know, all this kind of stuff. And maybe there's some kind of way I can figure out how to how to appease God and, and, and do this, too. That's what he's trying to find out. Is there a way for me to get God to let me do this that I might benefit from it? And when it comes to prayer, right, the goal of prayer is to get God's will done. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray in the, the Lord's prayer, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was the goal of the prayer. When Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane about, you know, going to the cross, he said, you know, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, your will be done. And so the goal in prayer is always, God, ultimately, your will be done. I can express to God in prayer what I desire. God, I really like this. I really would like that. I want that right there. But but God, ultimately, I only want it if you want it for me. If that's not what you have for me, then I'll take no. Gladly. Uh, shut the door, tell me no, move it along. I only want what you want from me. Your will be done. That's how we want to come to pray because when you pray, you're coming to God who knows everything, right? I'm praying from a limited vantage point. I don't know everything. I don't know if this is the best scenario. It looks good to me right now. It looks like it can work out. So Lord, if that's what you have for us, work it out. Let it, let it work out for us. If not, shut the door. But, but you know best. You're God. You're bigger than me. It takes more faith to pray like that than it does to do the whole name and claim it thing. But I'm telling God to give me what I want, what I can see from my vantage point. It takes more faith to say, God, I trust you beyond what I can see. I trust that you know best. And so Balaam here is going to go back to the Lord. Verse 20, it says, And God came to Balak at night and said to him, If the men call to you, call you to you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, you shall do. Now it looks like God changed his mind, right? First God says you may not go with them. Now God says, you know what? Okay, if, if, if they come to you um, and they call you, rise and go with them, but only, only say what I tell you. Verse 21, so Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and he went with the princes of Moab. Now, notice it doesn't say whether they came or not. It just says he got up and went. Um, he, he, he had his green light. You know, he, he got up and went with them. But look at what 22 says. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. So someone will look at that and say, well, wait a minute. God told him he can go. Isn't God the one that said, well, if they ask you, then go ahead and go. But now God's mad. Now, I read this and I understand that God's God's anger is aroused 
You want to be listening to this because if there's someone that you don't really want angry with you, it's the Lord. I can deal with y'all being angry with me. I can deal with the neighbors. I can deal with some friends and family being angry, but you really don't want to be going through life with the Lord angry with you. And so right here it says that God's anger was aroused. God gets angry. Some people don't know that about God. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website, at CalvaryInglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryInglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryInglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.